your stomach acid is designed to kill bacteria that, you know, from the foods we eat. How, mu- how much of the food do you eat you think is sterile? Let me ask none. you a question. None. <laughs> right, none. So everything we eat, everything we put in our mouth, there's bugs and there's stuff getting in there. Our body is amazing and, and very smart. That's why we make hydrochloric acid. So it kills that. Well, if you're taking proton pump inhibitors, your stomach acid is not adequate enough, or you just maybe don't make enough that can allow bacteria to get down in through the intestinal tract. So having good uh, hydrochloric acid production is essential. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Hey, Dr. Polkers, it is super exciting to have you on the Gut Health Reset Podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So tell me, um, you, you do a lot with hormones, I know. And so I, I definitely want to get into the hormone piece. Um, but I want to start with the gut and how kind of the gut, you know, is going to trickle down into the hormones. So, um, it's kind of an overview, you know, how, how are the gut and hormones, how specifically testosterone, how are those linked? Yeah, great question. So we can start with the gut for uh, example. So, so I, my background is, is in functional medicine. And so with that, we try to find the root cause of conditions and symptoms, that kind of thing. And a lot of things always go down to the gut and like what's going on there. So oftentimes with people that have gut issues, um, which we'll talk about dysbiosis, leaky gut, that drives up and can drive up inflammation. So inflammation um, will cause your body to stimulate certain inflammatory uh, mod- you know, molecules, cortisol, those kind of things. And cortisol happens to be like the antagonist, the antagonist hormone to testosterone. So as cortisol goes up, cortisol stress, uh, testosterone can drop. And so things that affect the gut that, which, you know, can be many things that drive up inflammation will affect your endocrine system, which is your hormone system. And that will significantly, uh, impact testosterone. And we see that, on on mark on you know panels we we order on blood markers where testosterone levels are low and oftentimes patients are like yeah i happen to have some issues with you know um i have crohn's i have ulcerative colitis i have you know gastro you know some digestive issues or uh, and so we see that correlation a lot and so that i i definitely see um that relationship between the, you know gut health and how it affects your endocrine system in fact your gut it infects your immune system as well as your nervous system as well as your endocrine system and there's a term for that uh we call the what do we call it? the it's the immune neuro endocrine super system so it, it 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 all connects and influences each other in fact so okay wonderful yeah and i just for the listeners listening um cortisol is a stress hormone and it can be any sort of can be stressed like, oh my goodness, my job is so stressful, or it could right. be, oh my goodness, I'm a crazy bike rider and that's all I do. And so, you know, overtraining, you know, being overstressed is a driver for cortisol. So you mentioned leaky gut initially when we we're, you know, what, I mean, what is leaky gut? 
So I guess a, a simple way to a couple ways to, to describe it is our gut, which um, I don't know how your listeners think of or interpret the gut. The gut is, I mean, essentially everything from like your mouth all the way to where, when you go to the bathroom, like the, the whole, the whole tube, if you will. So your gut is uh, encompasses all that leaky gut. There's, there's a part of your intestinal tract that is where our nutrients, the foods we eat uh, are absorbed by our, you know, through, you know, to our body absorbed and our body absorbed nutrients through the gut. However, there's something called intestinal, intestinal permeability, meaning things are allowed to move through that intestinal wall that are not supposed to move through it into your circulatory system. So essentially it's leaking through, it's not supposed to, it's leaking through into your circulatory system. So it's, I kind of like, uh, you know, explain it like it's like, um, border patrol, you know, or, or customs going through customs, right. When you're, you're coming back into the, into the United States, they're looking through your luggage or okay, everything's good. We will let you through, but then you got somebody like me that's trying to, you know, bring in cigars or whatever from, from Mexico. And then, Oh no, you, that that's not allowed. Right. So, um, it's, it, it's when things are getting through into your system, it's leaking through hence we call it leaky gut. And so it's kind of a weird, it's like people, when they hear that, they think like, it's like certain bowel conditions, but it's not really that it's, it's, it's right. If, thousands of patients like, no, I don't have any, anything leaking out, out the back, you know, and, but it's no leaky gut is when things are, are actually sneaking into your body, into your circulatory system that should not get there. And that can cause inflammatory conditions. So we can, which we can go on and on about that, obviously, but does that answer your question? Absolutely. I was cracking up because I saw this great comedy show and this guy was getting married and basically he's like, you know, sent out a card, any food restrictions and like what he got back, he was really surprised about and like really broccoli, bell peppers. Okay. Yeah. So indication of that. So anyway, that made me chuckle. Um, So how does this happen? So uh, so leaky gut can happen uh, a number of ways, like you alluded to stress, for example. So stress in, in all forms, physical stress, chemical stress, um, environmental stress. So things getting into your body that drive up cortisol when, when stress gets high. Um, and this, like I said, this can be from, th- you know, just thinking of, of, of things that, that stress you out. Cortisol will, will elevate and cortisol can start to erode that mucosal barrier. So that's one thing that kind of breaks down the gut wall and allows things to get in that shouldn't. Other things that can uh, cause leaky gut are disruptions in the microbiome, which we haven't really talked much about, but there's the, the bacterial flora that exists there. So when somebody has some kind of infection, which can also cause leaky gut, and they take antibiotics, the antibiotics will completely disrupt and can completely disrupt that microbiome that can cause leaky gut as well as infections like, you know, overgrowth of certain bad bacteria can cause leaky gut, um, but also toxins. So anything that drives up inflammation, causes stress, um, can oftentimes create this leaky gut situation. Do you feel like it's primarily stress that's the biggest driver of leaky gut? Do you feel like it has anything to do with pathogens in the gut or not so much? Well, I feel, I, I, I feel like stress um, in and of itself and how stress can be defined physical, chemical, environmental is at the root of it because that can allow pathogens to 
take hold. Does that make sense? Sure. Absolutely. It, it, it's kind of like it, you, cause all of us are, are exposed to bad bugs, viruses, you know, pathogens, if you will. And why is it some of us are affected by them, but some of us are not. So it's, it's, it, you know, we can, both of us can be exposed to the same pathogen, but one of us is affected, you know, gets sick, gets, you know, from it. So to me, it's the terrain that's more, you know, this, the, the root cause of it. So how do we help uh leaky gut? So, um, I actually have, uh, for me, like a, uh, uh, one of the processes I follow is you can call it like the five R's, if you will. So we we start by by you know removing removing the bad things that the hypoallergenic foods. I think you kind of meant like if somebody is is reacting to certain foods that trigger inflammation, we want to remove those. So that's something that kind of you know to kind of take the the insult uh, away. Um, another thing would be to, and we can go further upstream and talk about digestion, how that can poor digestion can cause leaky gut. We want to uh, replace the, the essential enzymes, the, um, the stomach acids, the bile salts, those kind of things are important to help heal leaky gut, as well as um, providing nutrients re- to repair. So um, repairing nutrients, and it could be things like L-glutamine, um, collagen powders, bone broth. Those are very healing for the gut. Um, some other, you know, vitamin D, you know, is important for gut health, zinc. So there's some nutrients that are very important for gut health, as well as, um, removing infections, like you kind of alluded to. So making sure certain bad, uh, potential bugs that may be there are, are addressed and, and removed like candida, like some just bad bacteria in the dysbiosis is addressed. So, um, and then maybe even re-inoculating with specific, um, good bacteria consuming fermented foods that has a good amount of, of good bacteria. So that is, you know, is kind of how I address it. It's not like a one size fits all, but kind of go through those steps really, really helps address leaky gut. Okay. Awesome. And you mentioned dysbiosis. So what is dysbiosis? So when, um, interestingly, we have, the human body has, what is it? I want to say um, 30 trillion cells approximately, but we have like 39, 39 trillion bacteria in our, in our body and our gut is, has trillions of bacteria. We want to have, uh, ideally there's, there's um, something called a microbiome, which is, is the, bac- the bacteria, um, a good amount of friendly bacteria in a balance and you want it to be diverse. When somebody has an imbalance, they have maybe have an overgrowth of the bad bacteria, the bad bugs, that is defined as dysbiosis. There's like an imbalance of, of the flora existing in, in your gut, which can affect pretty much everything. That can drive up inflammation. That can affect the brain. That can affect uh, other organ systems. Um, but dysbiosis in and of itself is when there's an imbalance of that bacteria that resides in our gut. Okay. And how, how does this happen? Like, how do we, how do we get this? So you can get dysbiosis a number of ways, kind of like similarly to the ways that you get leaky gut, um, antibiotics that, that will, you know, you take antibiotics to kill bacteria, correct? And so you take an antibiotic, it's killing 
pretty much everything. So, but what oftentimes happens is these bad bacteria will start to replace um, what was there before. And you get this overgrowth of, of, of like bad yeast, like a candida overgrowth. Um, so one way of getting, creating dysbiosis is, is antibiotics, poor diet. So people that are eating lots of sugary foods, the, uh, often the standard American diet is one example of, of a way to really feed the bad bugs and cause more dysbiosis. Um, stress can cause dysbiosis by driving up that hormone again, cortisol, and in, in creating that leaky gut situation, driving up inflammation, which will affect your uh, and activate your immune system. By the way, your immune system is housed in the gut. So 70, 80% of, of your immune system exists there. So act, chronic activation of that will oftentimes cause dysbiosis as well. So there's a lot of things with gut, environmental toxins, which we didn't talk about getting in there. All these things will affect the bacteria and can start to create this imbalance, which is something that can cause all kinds of conditions related to inflammation, brain fog, aches and pains, um, uh, gut issues, and so forth and so on. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I've seen this in practice uh, a fair amount, but when someone is really stressed out and has been under chronic stress for a long period of time, on stool testing, it really looks like almost all their bacteria levels are low. Dysbiosis is low. All their commensal bacteria is low. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Stress is something. In fact, we used to, I used to order a, a stress test called adrenal stress index. And when people have like a lot of, and they you know, communicate, I have a lot of stress in my life uh, from this, this loss of loved ones, et cetera. And we, we typically will see uh, a, 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 a compromised gut, like gut health. So they're their immune markers in their gut are super low. And so, yeah, so that will reflect in, in affect the, the diversity that you want in the gut. So you, that's like you, to your point, all those healthy bugs will be just low. Um, and what happens is their, their immune system is, it becomes weakened. So they are more susceptible to infections. They're, they are more prone to autoimmune conditions um, because of the breakdown of the gut from the chronic stress. Yeah. So I, what do we, what do we do about dysbiosis? So good question. So, um, kind of the same way that we, uh, I alluded to with healing leaky gut, they kind of go, you know, hand in hand. So you're going to want to, um, if someone has dysbiosis, that overgrowth of bad bugs, it's essentially a parasite infection. If you, you know, they, they're overtaken by bad bugs. And so you want to, uh, remove those. And so there, there are herbs out there. Um, there's things like time released oregano products that you can take to kind of kill those things off. And, um, fasting is, is a great way to kind of give that digestive system a break to allow the body to kind of eliminate that, um, taking those healing nutrients I mentioned. So kind of following that same protocol, um, consuming fermented foods, consuming fibrous foods to, um, help increase things like short chain fatty acids and which we didn't really talk about, but, um, kind of following those, the same approach that I mentioned that, you know, we can call it the five R's of so basically removal, replace, repair, um, remove infections. Um, and we can go upstream as well. I didn't really talk much about this, but 
dysbiosis can also occur by poor digestion upstream. When I mean upstream, more the stomach in the liver. So if somebody has low stomach acid production, or if somebody's taking proton pump inhibitors, those things are designed, those, the, your stomach acid is designed to kill bacteria that, you know, from the foods we eat. How, how much of the food do you eat you think is sterile? Let me ask none. you a question. None. <laughs> right, none. So everything we eat, everything we put in our mouth, there's bugs and there's stuff getting in there. Our body is amazing and, and very smart. That's why we make hydrochloric acid. So it kills that. Well, if you're taking proton pump inhi uh, inhibitors, your stomach acid is not adequate enough, or you just maybe don't make enough that can allow bacteria to get down in through the intestinal tract. So having good, uh, hydrochloric acid production is essential. Another thing that's important is to have bile, good, healthy bile production. If that's not, which it can be affected, you know, standard American diet and people having their gallbladder removed, et cetera. Bile is also an antimicrobial. So having, um, adequate bile salts that also could kill those bacteria. That is another thing that can, if it's not adequate, can cause dysbiosis. So maybe someone taking bile salts. So once again, um, replacing those enzymes, the, the, the stomach acids, the bile salts, all those things can help inhibit and prevent this dysbiosis and also ways to treat it if, it's, if you know that those are um, problems. Great tip. I don't think bile um, salts have been covered on any of the other podcast episodes. And I just want to drill into that really quick. So bile digests what type of, what does it digest? Yeah. So great. So bile, as you know, is um, secreted by the gallbladder and it's kind of stimulated when you consume fats. So fats are very important. Um, part of our diet. You remember in the eighties, everybody was eighties, like no fat, fat free. Everything, everything was fat, you know, early nineties, early nineties. Yeah. And so <laughs> I know there's like different, like, you know, it's like everything was fat free, but everything tasted like, you know, cardboard, but, but, it, but anyways, we're healthy, right? No. So you need, you need to eat, eat fats because it stimulates a uh, bile release and which is important to emulsify the fats. And that, so that stimulates, you know, release of um, enzymes by the, the pancreas, to allow us to absorb certain fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. And if you, and if you don't have um, healthy bile production and the, um, uh, then you lose the ability to absorb those, those vitamins that can affect things downstream. And once again, can cause bad bacteria to get through downstream. And then you start to have a cascade of other issues. So bile is important for, not just the digestive of fats, but the absorption of fat soluble vitamins, getting rid of uh, the bad bacteria and a lot of other things. So it's important. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. 
And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit DrAnnMarieBarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Ann Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. So if somebody comes into your clinic and they're, they're like, I just, I want to work on my hormones. That's all I want to do. Cause I know you work with a lot of hormones, I, and, but I don't want to fix my gut. Um, how successful do you think they're going to be? Not, not very. I mean, it's kind of like our approach, you know, with, with our company isn't to, um, and, and, and here's the thing too, to, to kind of like add to that. Like if somebody has, um, hormone issues or hormone imbalances, it's usually, oh, here, it's not just like, oh, put you on this. We, it's kind of, why do you, ha- why do you have, uh, uh, you know, low, low progesterone, low testosterone? What, you know, why is that? And, and once we kind of like dig into that, I mean, oftentimes, you know, depending on the age, depending on their, their health history, testosterone replacement is, 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 is a piece of that. And it's, it's great, but like, unless you address their health, I mean, that's the cornerstone and the foundation of their health. And so they're, they're, they may not feel and, and get the results that they're hoping for that their friend, you know, that's also on testosterone replacement who's feeling amazing, but, but it's probably because he's working out, he's eating better. He's doing all the other things. So, so gut health still has to be a priority regardless of whatever hormone replacement program you're, you're going through, but that's why we test, um, and our office try to like determine and identify root cause, take a good health history. Yeah. You got to look at the body as a whole because everything affects everything and you can't just throw hormones and expect it to, to fix the underlying issue. So yeah, I think you have, you're not going to be that successful unless you really do, um, work on those other things, especially the gut. So you made a point before we got on the, on the podcast here that, um, that one of the major impacts of testosterone and how it helps the gut is that it's anti-inflammatory. Can you expand on why that's important and, and everything associated with, you know, testosterone and why you see that being helpful? Yeah, it's helpful a lot of ways. So um, a lot of people don't realize that, that testosterone, it does have some pretty powerful anti-inflammatory properties. And so, so what we typically see is people, let me, let me back up a little bit. Men, for example, let's take men that are, you know, from the 1950s, they've seen that men in the 1950s have higher testosterone and in, in lower estrogen overall than men today. So if you, if you would take a cohort of men from the 1950s and men today, there's like this big difference. So guys today seem to have like lower testosterone, higher estrogen, but they also seem there's more of this belly fat thing happening today, which could be one of the driving factors of that. So belly fat is um, pro-inflammatory and you have these, um, these cells in, in the abdominal area that release estrogens and that kind of thing drives up inflammation. Once again, you know, we talk about inflammation affects the gut. So by by having doing ways to, whether it's ex- exogenous testosterone or ways to boost testosterone in a natural fashion, it has this anti-inflammatory effect, allows you to start to burn more of that belly fat, which brings down, you know, the, the estrogen and create this endocrine balance, which is much more better for overall health, but also gut health. So you're 
you know, at the end of the day, we can, we could say inflammation really does uh, affect everything and lead to every kind of pathological, pathological condition, but ways to reduce inflammation is, is key. And part of that is testosterone reduces inflammation by itself, but also it's, it can help your body burn that fat, um, lower, lower the, the estrogen and can also help feed, you know, prevent that gut from getting inflamed as well. So it's kind of has like multi-factorial approach, if you will. And what do you think are ideal levels for, um, you know, for men's testosterone and, and for women? Yeah. And so here's the thing. It's, it's not like textbook, like this is what it, should, it really isn't. I mean, cause here it, there's so many variables there, but to give you like, I guess some degree of, a, of, of, of a number, you know, most of the guys that we work with, they optimally feel great, function great in the 800 to like 1200 range, but let's, but however, see, there are guys that are at 850. They're just like, I just, I just don't feel great. I feel like, you know, libido's not there, but there's other markers. So we look at free testosterone as well. Total, let's say total testosterone is 800. Free testosterone is a number we look at because the free testosterone is what is, what is unbound, what, what is bioavailable. So that number is important. And there are certain things like albumin and sex hormone binding globulin that can bind that up in a lot and cause your free testosterone to not be so available, even though your total testosterone is at a number that's like, oh, wow, you should be, you should be, you know, crushing life and feeling amazing. So that'd be kind of for men. And it's, just, it's the same thing for women. We see women really feeling amazing at, you know, 80 to hundred with women. It's like, that's like, they're, they're, they're feeling great. And, um, and women too, the, the, that testosterone can, can also be converted to these, those other hormones, like the, you know, the, the progesterone and estrogen that your body, as your body needs. So it, it's, it's not just a, a, a male hormone, just like estrogen is not just a female hormone. Men need estrogen too, because if, if you're going to a clinic and I've seen this, a lot of patients we work with, um, which is one of the reasons we started this company is because a lot of guys are going to these clinics that are just, you know, these testosterone replacement clinics, they're going in there. Pretty much every guy that walks in there is put on a certain uh, dose of testosterone, given some anastrozole, which is an estrogen blocker. And like every guy is given that. And guess what? Their estrogen is in the, is in the tank. And, and this is affecting their libido, their energy. They're feeling like just garbage. We, we, we don't think every guy needs to be on, on an estrogen blocker. I mean, and, and so we don't put every guy on an estrogen estrogen blocker because estrogen is just as important of a hormone for men as it is for women, believe, even though it's kind of like not viewed that way. Yeah. Sorry, I went on that little tangent. No, that's there, great. <laughs> Actually, it reminds me of something else. Uh, you know, there's, there's a certain point where unless you're doing some testosterone replacement, I, you know, in my clinical practice, I don't feel like herbs or natural remedies will increase testosterone. If someone's above a certain age, it, it may be a little bit, but not enough. And, and I'm sure you've probably seen the same thing. I would guess, I don't want to put that in your mouth, but women, same thing as well. And, um, so a lot of times if they go to a, a clinic, um, and generally I, I address hormones last, but, um, if they go to a clinic for testosterone, they're given a pellet that is not change the, their, their dosage isn't changed. And I can't tell you how mm -hmm. many women I have seen not sleep for 
multiple weeks in a row until like we start to filter it out um, and kind oh, of calm, yeah. calm down. I don't know if you have any comments on, on what's going on there. I, it, to me, it just seems like when I run the labs, it's way too high of a dose. Yeah. And you're talking about pe pellet there, like putting pellets in. Yeah. It, um, yeah. It's the pellets. So with men, it's, re it's hard. We, I mean, we don't really even consider pellets. I, I have friends that have gone to clinics for that, that for testosterone pellets, it just seems like it's, um, I don't know, they feel great for like a couple of weeks, but then it's like their, their body, the levels just drop, drop, drop. And it, there's, you can't really control what's going on in the body versus like injections, you know, which, which we, we pretty much recommend ingestion injections. We, we are now geared more towards the subcutaneous injection uh, with split dosing, which we can talk about that a little bit, but yeah, go into it. Like what's different there. Cause that's, I think yeah. important. Yeah. And, and, and so to your point, the pellets is like, you're putting, um, it, it's a good business model, right? So you, you, you put them in, in the patient for what, once every three months or so, four months, and you kind of, all right, you know, but, but, and you probably, if you're in this space, you probably see like that, that last month, they're like not feeling the same, you know what I mean? Like the levels are like, I need, I need more. I need, you know, what, what do I, how can I get in sooner? Because you never know how a person's going to metabolize those, those hormones individually. And, but with the injections, you're able to control that like, um, so much more and have a lot more variability. So with guys, you know, we, we, we've switched more to subcutaneous versus intermuscular, um, subcutaneous, um, it's, it, you're not having to inject in the muscle. It's, it's, it's less discomfort. It's less, you know, stressful. Um, and you, you split dose it with meaning you, or you can do it three times a week, but you, you smaller dose, inject it, say Tuesday, Friday. And that, that allows, uh, instead of like a big, big dose of testosterone once a week. And, and then by the end of the week, you're here, you're, you're kind of just more even, even kill the, the whole week. Uh, we see on labs when you split dose and, and, uh, basically, which means you're, you're cutting the dose in half and you're injecting twice a week. We see better markers with estrogen with men. Um, they don't need an astrozole. We see better markers with hematocrit, hemoglobin, red blood cell count. So there's less polycythemia, which is less thickening or less viscosity in the blood, less, less uh, elevations in blood pressure. So it seems to just have an overall better uh, clinical effect on the patient with the split dosing. Um, but yeah, we, you know, I, I just, talk to so many friends and colleagues and, and patients that have done the pellet route and they just so many mixed experiences and with, with, with the guys, you have to, you have to put so many pellets in the, with the men for, you know, to accommodate the testosterone. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the women seem like they, they're doing pretty well, but I don't, I don't advocate it really very much for pellets for men. So that's why we offer mostly it's injections or we can, or we have some creams, um, some guys have moved away from that because they don't want to like get the cream on their wife or kids or whatever, you know, because <laughs> there's, which is huge. Honestly, yeah, you don't think about that, but you, you've, you've heard stories of people. I've you seen know, it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Cause yeah, it's not that's... even been told, you know, these women are coming in with these wicked high levels of testosterone, but showing low levels. And you find out that their husband has been given a testosterone cream. And I'm like, this is exogenous transfer. <laughs> yeah. And I just had a patient. He just emailed me like last week. He's like, I'm freaked out. Cause he has girls and he's like, I just, you know, he rubs it on different you know areas. And he's like, 
you know, you know, if I hug my daughter, what, you know, am, am I passing in, in, we've heard stories where, yeah, that, that, that exogenous, you know, exposure that can be transdermally passed on to loved ones. So, so, so for men, you recommend, um, injections for women. Do you still recommend pellets? So for, uh, for us, we, we, we recommend injections for okay. women. Okay. Yep. All yeah, right. Yeah. We, and- I mean, we're virtual, we're virtual. So we, uh, but oh, even the, that's e- cool. yeah, even. Yeah, even then, um, we we do um, injections or um, or creams or with women. Yep. Okay. So let's let's talk about low um, testosterone symptoms um, with with men first, and then let's go into women. But so, what what are some of the low testosterone symptoms uh, for men? Yeah, and it could be subtle. I mean, because here's the thing: there are some guys that. And they're like, yeah, you know, I just kind of feel a little bit like less uh, motivation, less drive, like like mentally, like they just they don't feel like as as driven. They kind of feel kind of like like just lazier, kind of like more of the couch potato kind of guy. And we look at their labs are like two hundred, you know, which is pretty low. But typical, you know, um, symptoms would be would be that would be uh, low energy, lo- loss of libido. Um, is you know changes within erectile um, strength and 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 how long you maintain, um, as well as um, just some depression maybe or lack of just focus uh, on things. So there's a lot of the male brain has a lot of testosterone receptors. So if you're not having you know having testosterone, you kind of start to lose that drive. Testosterone and dopamine are kind of like cousin molecules. And so dopamine is, as you know, is like that motivating kind of thing is testosterone is very similar. So you kind of see this kind of like lack of motivation, um, low energy, less desire to go to the gym. And when you do go to the gym, you're not building the muscle you used to not, you're gaining belly fat. Um, and so, so those are like the typical things you see with, with low testosterone, you know, low energy, poor sleep can be another, another thing that we see. What about apathy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all, all of those things, um, definitely correlate to, to low testosterone. Um, and it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of interesting how I see it happening younger and younger. You know, we, we see guys in their, in their twenties now with, with, uh, with levels of low testosterone that like, what are, what are you, what is, what's going on here? I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty staggering how, low the levels are getting younger and younger why do you think that is that's the i i it's i don't know i mean if if you look at it in a case by case i like this guy oh he in his history it looks like he he lost like you know 80 pounds so so going on like some kind of like extreme caloric deficit can can cause can cause your your endocrine system to be kind of go through that kind of shock and lower testosterone i know for me and some young young guys i Mine, my levels were low in my twenties because I overtrained so much. I went to the gym and worked out like two times a day. I thought like more is better. So, and also stress once in which I overtrained so much, it drove up my cortisol that that's why my testosterone levels were were lower. I just like stopped working out and then they went back up to, to normal, but, um, didn't stop working. Out. Like I worked out less, but, but yeah. So stress, um, we could also talk about plastic, I guess. Plastic use is a, is a big contributor because it's a xenoestrogen 
And so, um, I try to be kind of, well, we're kind of strict at my house. I'm even, I mean, I don't even let put even plastics in the dishwasher or, or any, you know, or, I mean, we still have some plastics, but you know, it's just, you don't want to drink or consume foods out of hot plastics. We try to switch everything to glass, ceramic, that kind of a thing, because that that's another, uh, contributor to, um, low testosterone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Z- I think they're finding the as they're finally finding the plastics in people's bloods, blood because oh, we yeah. have so much at this point because we've just been inundated with plastic. So with women, um, what kind of symptoms are you seeing? Um similar or a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, pretty similar. I th- uh, uh, low libido. I mean, the that's the most common one. I mean, for men and women. Um but I, however, I, I, I've talked to a lot of guys with their, their libidos still like, okay, you know, there, but their testosterone is really low. But, um, yeah, with women, it's kind of, you know, the low libido it's, it's, it's just, you know, uh, maybe depression, more moodiness, that irritability, those kind of, those kind of things. So gain of gaining weight. That can, yeah. You know, a lot of gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I, we're going to need to wrap up here, but what else did you want to cover on testosterone before we kind of wrapped up? Um, I think, you know, just the main thing is, is getting tested, you know, getting tests is important. So many, so many guys I talked to, um, number one, they may have never had their testosterone checked or they checked it like five years ago and all it was, you know, it was 800. So, um, you know, get, get it, get it tested. Um, also women too. get, get your te- uh, testosterone. So many women have low testosterone. It's, um, and it, it's not something I, I don't think it's really imp- viewed as important for women, but it really should be. Um, it's, it's, it's a hormone that our bodies use, um, for, I like to think of it like this. I know how much time, but like your testosterone, it's like your, it's like our, our endocrine system is, is, you know, we have hormones that are very, very important for survival. Like you have to have insulin. If you don't have insulin, you're pretty much going to die. Right. So, so we have hormones that are super same with cortisol, even though it's like, can be chronic. We have hormones that are kind of like our, in, in, in our checking account that we have to use to pay our bills, to keep the lights on. And then we have a savings account, right? Savings accounts kind of like stuff to go out for other movies, date night, whatever. So testosterone and progesterone can kind of be like that savings account, but we tend to pull from it to, to accommodate for our checking account to pay for things. And we just tend to think that it's not important, but you're, we start to pull on it so much that um, our quality of life just starts to be diminished. So I, I think it's, it's a hormone that is often overlooked. And, and if you test it and if you start to optimize it, it helps everything else. I agree. I completely agree. And I think the other misnomer that I'd like to mention is a lot of times people will get it checked and um, depending on what the reference range is, you know, right. it'll be 300 or 350 for men, depending on where you are. And, you know, they're told that they're totally normal um, and they feel terrible and they have all the symptoms that you're talking about. No, you're hundred percent right. And oftentimes in those cases, I mean, you're right. It's the, the doctor you go to, maybe they're used to treating the patient based on their insurance coverage and based on what insurance will, will deem as a necessary uh, time to, to prescribe testosterone. Because if the insurance says they're, 
they're healthy. We won't, we won't, we won't cover it over 300. Then the doctor's often like, well, you're normal. There's nothing. I mean, let's wait until, let's wait till you're 250 and you're, you feel like complete garbage before we prescribe. But yeah, you're right. It's the, the, um, the normal range is it's big and we want you more like optimal, not, not where you're almost, you know, dropping dead, kind of feeling like garbage. So. Absolutely. Well, where can people find you and in, in your company if they want to get in touch with you? Great. So um, easiest way is you can go to one of our websites. So uh, blokes, B-L-O-K-E-S dot C-O is for, you know, for the men out there. And the women can go to choose joy, which is the joy is spelled J-O-I dot C-O, choose joy dot C-O. Um, and that's our woman's side. So we offer not just, you know, testosterone, but also peptides and, um, awesome things for anti-aging for, for health optimization, great diagnostic lab testing. And, and I even, I didn't mention, we have a food sensitivity test we can order to kind of identify what foods could be triggering inflammation in you specifically. So we have a lot of cool stuff there to choose from. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me Anne. appreciate it. Enjoy, Enjoy the time. Yeah, it was great. Um, thank you for all the listeners out there. Um, please let us know what you want to hear more of. We look forward to hearing from you. Take care. Ciao. Bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.